Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply blue Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And despite stubborn defence from Everton, uh, City went briefly to the top of the league. And even now, after the games at the weekend, we are still, what, just two points off the top with a game in hand. Uh, KDB and Haaland made the difference, although it wasn't that pretty, I don't think. It's a change of scene on Tuesday night. FC Copenhagen in the last 16, first leg of the Champions League. And then it's mid-table Chelsea at the weekend. Lots to discuss with my three guests. Welcome to A View from a Blue, Stephen Allwise. Hi, Stephen. Hi, Nigel. Welcome to Stato Paul Denby. Hi, Paul. Hi, Nigel. And welcome to very youthful Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nick. Hi, Nigel. Um, Listen... Stato, uh, it wasn't that pretty, was it, for the, at least the first 70 minutes? And I have to say, in the same breath, I thought Everton was superb defensively. I don't think they've had enough credit, actually. I thought they set, Dice set them up well, really strong defensively, and, and City didn't have much of a, I don't think they had a shot on target in the first half. It was very, very unpretty, to put it bluntly. That first half was probably the worst we've seen City perform for a long time because we've been playing very well. Um, but Everton defended stoutly. We had shot after shot, but we had nothing on target because they blocked everything. We never looked threatening in the first half. Um, and as we got into the start of the second half, they then started playing for more and more time by going down for injuries, which is what you'd expect and wasting time. Not criticising, it's just a fact of football these days. And And then, of course, the magic happened. But until then, we looked very insipid. Uh, couldn't break them down, couldn't get round the back. But I think you're right, Nigel. They defended very, very well. They were well organised. And they have got, I believe, the most clean sheets in the Premier League as well. And you could see why. Because teams will struggle to score against them. But once you'd scored against them, they had to open up a bit more. And then we saw what happened. 
I was talking to an Everton fan before the game and he was he kind of did say we will defend well but we, we just can't score and that's kind of how it turned out in the end as well um Stephen f- fair comment from Stato is that a fair assessment would you say yeah absolutely um I thought it was an awful game for well the first hour or so I think it surprised me actually how one pace we were going forward because Pep actually had some of the not attacking players but risk takers um so Foden in the team Doku in the team Alvarez and Haaland it, it you know it wasn't necessarily the, the slightly slower more controlled approach we might take in midweek against Copenhagen so it, I was a bit surprised but you know Everton were brilliant defensively as you've both said got the tackles in got the blocks in but I guess when that is your approach and you are going to sit deep and try and get your body in the way of everything you have to be perfect for 90 95 minutes and it, it takes one ball to drop in the box from a corner that wasn't cleared and suddenly we're one up and I'm sure we'll go on to talk about Haaland and how that's his skill but I think when you do defend so deep and that's your approach you have to be absolutely bang on and you have to hope we have an off day and you know we had a couple of moments where we came to life and and we get the win so yeah Everton did well but um that is the the beauty of our squad at the moment and Nick in terms of this kind of this poor performance for the first 70 minutes not pretty however you want to talk about it four four changes um, it wasn't kind of a full strength squad, you could say. A couple of maybe the fringe players, you could argue, with Nunes, for example, in the side, doesn't get many starts. We do look vulnerable on the break as well, don't we? As well, I mean, although you know we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have a shot on target, as we said first half. But I also feel we we also look quite vulnerable as well at times. Yeah, we did. I mean, I, look, we we played a relatively weak team and. To be honest, we paid Everton what turned out to be the, the disrespect that, quite frankly, they deserve. Because, um, yes, you can say that they defended fairly well and there was a professional element about how they went about the game. But, frankly, it was a bit embarrassing. Um, and I thought that it was a performance that smacked of um, of Sean Dyche and the way that he's managed every team that he's managed. Um, and, he, and he got, as my dad said, because he was sat next to me at the game, and he repeatedly said it, and in fact he said it probably about 25 times during the game and on the way home, they got exactly what they deserved, which is absolutely nothing, because um, they cheated um, and they played a pretty poisonous sort of game of of chucking yourself to the ground and pretending to be injured until they were behind and then all of a sudden that magically disappeared um, and got nothing. Um, but at the same time, you know, we played, uh, we played, a, we you know, we, we were pretty poor first half. Um, we, we lacked penetration. We lacked any real ideas. Um, I thought uh, Makanji looked, you know, really out of sorts and, you know, ironically for those, well, you can't see me for those people listening, but ironically, he looked overweight actually, but he really looked like the wrong player in the wrong position uh, for that game. Um, And then of course it all turned around um, and we finished them off. Uh, But it wasn't one, it was, it was one for the history books. All right, we'll we'll leave your weight to one side for a second, Nick. (laughs) 
and and go back to Stephen and, and just talk about then this this change then and and, and we, we have to talk about Harland who well I was we, just going to say we, actually I was going to pick up on a kanji if that's all right because I thought yeah. I think Nick's bang on I think he really struggles in that defender going into midfield role and that's not necessarily a criticism of him because it it looks really hard to do and the reality is teams don't do it Pep was the first with Rico last season. Stones has taken a long time to get to grips with it. Liverpool, I guess, have copied us with Trent going into midfield, but that's because he's very good on the ball. But generally, teams don't do it. Centre-backs don't do it. And I think Akanji looks really awkward. He takes so many touches. He doesn't seem to have his bearings around him. And I think it just slows us down, especially in a game like that where Everton will put 10 men behind the ball and basically say to us, break us down. We're not really going to come after you. I think it, it did cost us. Um, just on Nick's other point, I, I don't really blame Everton for setting up that way, to be honest. I think if they had opened up and played two up front and tried to press us and take us on, we'd torn them to pieces. So I, I understand that that is the best way that they could have approached that game. Sit back. If it's nil-nil after 80 minutes, maybe then you, you look for a counter-attack or a set-piece. But they did limit us. Um, fortunately, we had the, the quality off the bench in De Bruyne. Um, and, you know, Bernardo then when we went 1-0 up just to control the game. And um, I think, you know, that that's where our squad depth and the quality will, will come in handy. Um, but I'm not sure I want to see a Kanji too often in that defender into midfield role. It's funny, I was in a different seat to the one I normally sit. I'm normally in the cheap seats on, on, on level three in, in the Colin Bell stand. And as, as I was queuing up to get in, I bumped into an old mate who had some spare seats much lower down, halfway line, kind of just, just behind the dugouts, you know, near, near the prawn sandwich brigade, padded seats. And I thought, yeah, go on, why not? And uh, had a slightly different view. And, and Pep was far more in my eye line. And it was really interesting. He almost not every time, but but you could see he was getting increasingly frustrated with the kanji as well. It was really, you know, I, it was quite obvious, and I wasn't surprised when he was substituted, of course. Um, so, so Nick, do you, do you want to pick up then on 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 this change then, and and the impact that you, we've all talked about? It was a poor game. It wasn't a great performance. Yes, we can either credit. Ed- Everton, or we can take your dad's view, whichever one you, you choose. It doesn't really matter. Um, but actually, something happened, and, and a player came on from Belgium. I'm not talking about Doku here. Um, and things changed um, quite almost instantaneously. It was it was almost magical um, the the impact that he had. Do you just want to sort of talk through how you saw that? Yeah, but I mean, it was it was a very very significant clear and immediate change in the way that the game was played and um but you know what how couldn't it be when you bring on a player like de bruyne of that quality um and you know you're you're effectively replacing a kanji with with de bruyne <laughs> it's it's got to make that change hasn't it you'd be you'd be absolutely astonished if it didn't, I mean, actually, in some ways, you could say, look, we scored a slightly scrappy goal from a corner. Um, but, you know, when you've got that level of pressure and, and you've got those many people in the box for, for that much of the game, then something's bound to drop for you. And, you know, you've got to mention Erling Haaland, who 
couldn't possibly have hit that ball any better and any harder than he did. Um, uh, Pickford, actually, who I think is a really average goalkeeper in many ways, but he actually did pretty well to just get anything remotely on it. And he was slightly unlucky because just the touch that he did get could have had it flying into the stands, but it was just such a big hit that it went in. Um, And then, of course, you know, actually, in some ways, it was the goal that really changed the game rather than the changes. The changes you know, definitely instigated a difference in our performance. There's absolutely no doubt about it. Um, But we were slightly playing with one hand behind our backs. Um, And that's not to be really disparaging about any one player or other, but there were just a few players in the wrong places. Um, You know, and I thought Pep obviously wanted to sort of mix it up a bit. He wanted to make some changes. He wanted to give some players some time and others a bit of a... Uh, 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 a bit of time off as we go into the Champions League games etc which is absolutely fair enough Um, but it was that goal that really changed everything actually because Everton changed the way they played um, and we were then able to really capitalise on that and Kevin De Bruyne was obviously pretty much the best player in the world to be able to capitalise on that extra space that he got I mean, I'll leave it to you, Stato, where you want to start. But, I mean, obviously the the impact that De Bruyne had. But those two goals from Haaland, I mean, he, you know, it was his wrong foot, of course. It was his right foot. He prefers his left, which we saw when he scored the second. He positioned himself to make sure he he got it with his his better foot. Um, And, of course, De Bruyne's contribution as well for both goals. Two very different goals, of course, but brilliant in their own right. Your, your, Your reflections on kind of De Bruyne and Haaland. Well, clearly they're both world-class players. Haaland doesn't do much in games, but he scores goals. Uh, and that's what wins matches, as we know. It's very basic football, isn't it? Um, it again, it didn't have much contribution. He either had little bits here and there, laid the ball off a couple of times, but didn't get the service or didn't get the chance that he needed. However, when that chance came to him in the about the 70th minute, was it? He was just, it was just brilliant. You know, he didn't think about it. He's got his balance, and he just swung his right foot at it. No keeper in the world would have got would have saved that. It was so powerful from, what, about eight yards out, give or take? Um, Pickford got his hand to it, but he, if he'd probably got his hand more fully in, in the way, he might have broken his wrist, um, the power. It was a superb strike from a, a world-class player. The second goal was a fantastic break because they then opened up Everton. They came at us a little bit. Didn't that look really threatening? <clears throat> I came on the ball at the back. Threaded De Bruyne, who have acres of space, bad defending by Everton, but De Bruyne looks for that space. Haaland's run was absolutely superb because he effectively went the other side of uh, Brathwaite, who was looking over his wrong shoulder at that point in time. And the ball from De Bruyne was, as, as we expect, first class. And um, from that point onwards, it was a, a, I don't know what you call it, man against a boy, although it just sh- shrugged him off the ball as if he was a little kid. Seriously. And then, as you say, moved on to his left foot and a superb finish again. And, you know, you go back to the match last week against Brentford. I know it was talked about, but he missed a chance like that the previous week, where it's bad defending. So he doesn't score every single one of those chances, but he scores the important ones that really matter. And um, that's what counts for us. But two world-class players. And that's why. I think it's it's spot on because Pep said was it a couple of weeks ago when Haaland came back that Haaland talking about Haaland and De Bruyne, that they, they're not the type of players who will help us play better. They're the players who will help us win games. 
which I think is a bit harsh on De Bruyne because he's so fundamental to how we play and um, he's got everything in his locker. But it's I think it's really true for Haaland because he doesn't help us as a team, as a unit, as an eleven play better. As Paul said, he, he barely touched the ball all game. But that one chance that he gets, he takes. And if you think to a couple of years ago, if that had fallen to Jesus in the team, he wouldn't have scored. So that's where the, the Haaland, the clinical touch, the, the real world-class striker comes to the fore. And he, he does work hard. And I think you know he's adapted a little bit to how we play. And he does tend to drop deeper occasionally and try to link up play. But his strengths are you get the ball to him in the box and he wins you matches. So it's interesting that Pep almost you know, wants to make the point that maybe as a team we play better without him because he can play Alvarez up there or he can play a false nine and the whole unit and structure's slightly more fluent. But Haaland is the one who will win you games because he scores you goals. So, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, we're, you know, and as we're getting to and towards the business end, it, it starts to sort of remind me of this time last year, around about this time last year, when there was a there was a little bit of a step change in terms of how we played and a much more direct route towards Haaland. Um, you know, it might have been a bit later in the season, the Arsenal games springs to mind very clearly is when that, when that happened. Um, but, you know, Haaland, let's face it, He's not had the greatest of, um, of seasons to date, but it doesn't matter a jot what he's done till now, as long as he does what he has to do from now on, because the next three months is when it's all going to happen. And, you know, we've got this astonishing sort of alignment of all of the planets with all of these players back fit. We're right in the mix um we've got it all to play for um and you know i it just starts my mind just starts whirring around when if 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 and if pep's going to be thinking having seen that goal and that last 20 minutes that yeah we can start doing that again and um getting the ball a bit more quickly towards KDB and Haaland, um, opening up opportunities. Uh, and actually, the Chelsea game this weekend possibly could be a really good opportunity for that because I think they may well... well I guess we're going to talk about that a bit later, but they'll. I guess they're going to come to that with a bit of... maybe a bit, of, a bit more uh, optimism, depending on how they get on Monday night. Um, and with the memory of the game... At, at Stamford Bridge in their minds and play a bit a bit of an open game with us. And actually this time we could absolutely destroy them if if all goes well. You raised an interesting point that was raised earlier on on Twitter by a certain Paul Denby, um, who asked the question, which kind of links very much to what you've been saying, Nick. And he said, despite being in prime position in the league in the last 16 of the FA Cup and Champions League, there still seems much negativity on social media about City's performances and the ability to win trophies. Is this just the City fans with long memories of the bad days? Maybe, maybe Sato, you can answer your own question first, if you like. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply I'll have a bash, because I think it is to some extent. Yes, we didn't have a great game on Saturday. We were poor in the first half, but we still won. Up until that particular game, the last few matches, I think we've played very well. Uh, But people jump on the negative side of it as soon as it becomes apparent and think that uh, this is the end for City. We're not going to win anything. To me, yeah, winning the treble, I'm not even thinking about. To be challenging for all three is all you can ask for at this stage of the season. Whether we go on to lift any of them, we'll wait and see. But as long as we are challenging and we're up there and competing, then who knows? And to me, yeah, we've not played brilliantly in some games this season, but we're grinding out results where we need to. We've conceded silly goals. We've lost silly points in matches. We know that. Crystal Palace at home, Tottenham at home, Chelsea away. Last-minute goals that cost you six points, those three games alone. But we grind out results as well. We've now come on our last four away games in the league, come from behind to win. So that, again, great mentality to show the strength of character of the team and what Pep instills in them. So it's, it's different to last season, but I want to remain positive and think that we can go on and challenge for all three. We might end up with zero, but as long as we're challenging, that to me is satisfactory. Do you, do you recognise this negativity, Stephen? Not really. I've not seen as much um, on socials, but maybe that's you know following different people or not spending as much time on it. But I think the only area that I'd slightly worry about is almost everybody talking now in the sense of, oh, in the last few years, we go on these winning streaks of 10, 12, 15 games. And therefore it's that time of the season, City come alive, we get that winner's instinct. At some point, we're not going to do that. At some point, we're going to hit a a wall where it may be in March when I think we've got Liverpool, maybe Arsenal or United and, and, you know, some tricky fixtures. And, you know, we're not going to go on that run of 10 consecutive wins. But I also think the league itself is stronger this year. I think there's more teams who will take points off each other at the top of the table. So I think the best, Pep will be absolutely delighted that we are around the top of the table as we speak, having not had De Bruyne all season, having missed Haaland for a couple of months, having missed Stones as well, who is so crucial to the way we play 
and allowing us that control. Pep will be delighted that the others have stepped up. Foden's been unbelievable. Alvarez has basically meant we've not missed Harlan. Um, and you've just got to keep that momentum going. We've got a favourable couple of cup draws, I think, on paper. Um, so now is the chance to kind of put a bit of pressure on the others. Do you want to respond, Nick, to Stato's tweet? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not really feeling the negativity. Um, your, dad, your dad is, though. Well, yeah, but he's been feeling the negativity for about 65 years. <laughs> I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, he, uh, the No, I'm not feeling the negativity. I mean, it took, uh, I, 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 look, I, I'm not saying we're going to win everything. I think, you know, there's no... There's no God-given right why we'll we'll go on one of those astonishing runs again, um, but I don't. It's I mean, we, it, 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 if if anything, we've had a poor we, you know we've had poor patches up up till now during the season, um, and we we're kind of thinking we've probably got past the worst of it, um, and now we've got the squad back to where it is. It, it's just in. Yeah, they say the 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 planets have aligned in a way that that they they very very rarely do. And actually, you know, if you look back this time last year, we were bloody awful. And frankly, we we didn't think we were going to win anything, and then it all it all happened. Um, so it's impossible to tell. Uh, but you know, the odds are in, or the cards are seem to be stacked in in our our favour right now. I don't think. Um, either Arsenal or Liverpool, who are the only realistic challengers uh, in the league, I think. I don't think they are, you know, phenomenally good teams. I think they're good, and I think if they win it, either of them would deserve to, but they'll have to put in a big run, and they know they'll have to. Equally, you know, Arsenal could be the ones who could really challenge us in uh, the, the Champions League, and I'd probably be more scared of playing them than anybody else at this point in time, if we were to beat Copenhagen. No, I don't. I don't think. I, I, I don't think there's any real negativity around it. Um, I don't think we've played exceptionally well in most games. I think we've gone through most of the season playing well for parts of almost every game, but not all of them. And we've paid the price for that. So it's about consistency now. I just kind of wondered whether you got a view about you know two players who play in the same position but play very differently um, in terms of how Pep's going to use them going forward. And, of course, as we know, keeping a squad of superstars happy uh, is something that Pep's been pretty good at. But but rumour has it that, that Grealish is not happy. And whether you've got a view on that, Steve, and how you, how you see that, those two, and how they show up. Yeah, I'm sure Grealish is, is not the happiest, given that the second half of last season, I think he was probably our best player. Um, he would every single game Pep played in, every game he, he kind of took on this role of at times gave us control, slowed the tempo, which is what Pep wants, at times drove at the opposition. I thought he was brilliant. Um, he clearly hasn't hit that level so far this season and, and especially at the start of the campaign, Doku came in with this energetic breath of life who sort of just took on defenders and made things happen and, and was raw and you can see that. And there's times you think just pass the ball and he holds on to it. But um, I think they're very different. Doku, it's almost like the game plan when Doku plays is you isolate him on the wing. Gvardiol doesn't get forward. And Doku is just take him on one-on-one, make something happen. Whereas Grealish 
fits the system, I think, that we've seen a lot more in the past year or two. And neither of them really can play anywhere else. Doku, I know we've seen him on the right a little bit, but he seems much more effective on, on the left. So they are competing for, for one place. Then you've got Bowden, who can also play there if needed. I wouldn't be surprised Copenhagen away, first leg of a Champions League knockout. I would not be surprised to see Grealish start um, as the safer option, but he's clearly got to win Pep's trust, not trust necessarily, but that trust at the moment that he can deliver on the pitch. Not easy keeping them both happy, is it, Nick? No, but I mean, one of the things I came away from yesterday with was thinking, you know, Jack Grealish could have a phenomenal impact in the final stages of the season, even though, you know, he's not had a great season. He has been uh, criticised by some um, for some of his performances. Um, pretty rightly, I mean, he's not played. He's not played well, quite honestly. Um, he's had limited opportunities, and he's not really he's not really made much of an impact when he has played. But I do think he could have a really significant impact. Um, and um, if you've got the likes of Rodri and Foden and Haaland and KDB, who are all playing really well, um, then, you know, Jack's role controlling and holding on to the ball and all that stuff that he does becomes really important. Um, and, you know, you'd probably look to that sort of player rather than a, an impact sort of a, a, a fireworks kind of guy like Doku, particularly when you get into the business end of the big games. Um, so I think he could have a really, really important role to play. And hopefully, uh, you know, one could understand that it'll be a little bit frustrated, Jack Grealish, but hopefully he's just grown up enough now and look back at the careers of other City players over the past few years under Pep who've had patches in seasons when they haven't done very much and then they've come back and completely turned it around, um, that he will look at that and think, I'm going to do that and I'm going to sit there, I'm going to do what I need to do and if I need to sit on the bench, I'll sit on the bench and when I'm needed, I'll do the job and that will be a massive contribution to our season. And Stato, as Stephen said, they're two very different players, aren't they, of course? I know they play in the same position, um, but actually I'm sure Pep will use them in the games where, as Stephen rightly says, where he needs more control, probably Grealish. Um, but if he wants that burst of excitement and, and taking defenders on, then it's obviously Doku's turn. But still a difficult balance to, to maintain, I suspect. I'm sure it is difficult, but there again, as I agree with what we've just said. Effectively, look at the games that we've got coming up uh, in March. I think we've got Liverpool away. That is a Grealish-type game rather than a Doku-type game because Grealish gives you a little bit more defensive capability because he comes back a bit more. Doku started doing it, but Grealish fights for the ball um, and he'll keep the ball longer. Doku is a riskier player and might lose the ball and that Liverpool will be faster to tangles. Copenhagen tomorrow night, I would be playing Grealish, but I'm not uh, Pep. You, the away matches, you, you would tend to play, play more Grealish-type games rather than Doku. But they're both great players in their own way. We need Grealish to return to the sort of form that he had at the end of last season. 
Just, so, just so, one so, point. Sorry, just one point, Nigel. If nothing else, Jack Grealish could lend Jeremy Doku a pair of decent boots so that he actually stays on his feet for more than twenty seconds. That would be point. a vital. That would be a vital contribution. How many times did he fall over on Saturday? More than the Everton players, which is saying yes. something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he gives the ball away too much for me anyway. But I've just, I'm, I've been too used to watching the, the current City team for too long that we certainly used to give the ball away a lot more when I was a lad. Um, Stato, just just build on what you said and, and, and take us to Copenhagen then, would you? Uh, you obviously mentioned Gris, it's a Grealish-type game. What, what else do you kind of predict is going to happen? How else do you think Pep's going to approach this game? Well, we played them in the group stage last year and we had that great goal from Rodri disallowed because of a marginal handball against Mahrez. We've got the capability of going there and winning. Um, I'd like to think we do. We, we can and we will. We're a better team than them. Um, yes, it's a big match for them. They'll be right up for it. But if we have any pretensions, uh, which I'm sure we have, of winning the Champions League, Copenhagen do not present a major uh, challenge to us. And I'm not being big-headed as a City fan because we've all been there before. But we've got to be able to see off Copenhagen. And I'd like to think we'll, we'll a comfortable win. I'm not saying we will win comfortable, but we should be winning by a couple of goals in some like Copenhagen. Look, they, they put the Reds to the sword, but that's easy nowadays, isn't it? Unless you're Aston Villa. Yeah, I, I actually think it's quite interesting looking at the date of the second leg. Because normally Pep would probably be quite happy with a, a, you know, a draw or a Obviously, he wants to win, but I don't think he'd go all out in the first leg away from home. But actually, the second leg falls in between uh, games against United and then away at Liverpool. And I think if you can just, you know, it's dreamland, but if you can score three, four, five against Copenhagen away in the first leg, as we did a few years ago, was it Sporting Lisbon, maybe? And basically allow yourself a rest before Liverpool away. That'd be huge because, you know, we know how difficult we found it at Anfield in the past, especially, I think, this year with Klopp and that sentiment around him. It'll be an absolute cauldron to go into. So you want your players as fresh as possible. So I, I think, oh, I'd love it if we win heavily, but I think Pep will go for, kind of, I don't know if we'll see Alvarez. I think it might be Rodri, KDB, maybe Bernardo in midfield with Foden, Haaland and Grealish. Um, but who knows picking pet brains is impossible at the best of times uh, Nick, Nick's nodding in, in agreement uh, so that sounds like you, what about what about the back four then is uh, is it a job for Stones is he fit enough is he going to fit in is he the sort of the game that he's going to start Stones do you think I, I don't know and I think it's almost impossible to know what the what the 11 is that he's going to pick um, I'd like Stones to play but given that he played at the weekend, maybe he won't. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, you know, Stevens made a neck the 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 point, which is that a, a a very comfortable win makes life that much easier it for the, for the second leg, and that is a vital vital week. Um, so. You know, I, I expect us to qualify, but actually the, this game tomorrow night is more important for that reason. Stato? Yeah, picking up on, on the points about the fact that we played them right in the middle of the, uh, playing the two red teams, Liverpool 
are in the Europa League, they're in the next, they've already qualified for the next round. Their match preceding our, us playing them on the Sunday is on the Thursday. So let's hope they do get a challenging away draw as far away as in Eastern Europe as possible. Um, that means they've got a horrible travel home. I don't know who's left in that competition, but that would help us, wouldn't it? So a difficult draw for them when the draw is made away from home in the first leg. Brilliant. Let, let's let's briefly look at Chelsea then at, at the weekend. Um, I think I was being polite when I said mid-table. I think they're probably just about below mid-table at the moment, aren't they, Stephen? Yeah, I think we might look back and, you know, if the season doesn't pan out perfectly for us, think the point away at Stamford Bridge was two, obviously two points dropped, but one of the worst performances, results of the season, because it was so open, which should have suited us. Fourth three up with you know 10 minutes injury time or whatever it may have been and it was such a needless penalty to give away um and i can't remember if it was paul or nick who said palace was the same um around that time which is is so true i their form is not great um they won't have a midweek game like like we do but i think um you know we should have enough about us um to, we've got a really good home record against Chelsea in recent years, so you'd like to think we'll raise our game again for that, um, and you know continue this this momentum that we've got. Uh, the the quarter final draw for the women's FA Cup's just been made, and uh, we've drawn Tottenham Hotspur away. Uh, but I guess you know that by the time you listen to this podcast. But my guests maybe don't on the, on the show. So there you go. That's you know we were playing in the next round. We just beat them one nil in the League Cup last week as well. Indeed, um, absolutely. So uh, right, Stato, Chelsea. I'm with Stephen. We, we we should have beaten Chelsea, but they raised their game against us. And two ex City players had fantastic games at Stamford Bridge. Even Sterling had a brilliant game against us that day. So did Cole Palmer, as if they've got points to prove. And I hope they don't have such outstanding games coming up this, this Saturday. Yes, we're a better team than Chelsea. They are, as you say, a mid-table team at best. And we should be winning these games. 4 all was a terrible result in hindsight, conceding four goals to a poor Chelsea team. Um, but it was a brilliant match, to, to I'm sure, for neutrals to watch. But I would be disappointed in anything other than a, an easy victory on Saturday because they're not a great team at the moment. Liverpool put four past them a week or so ago, and there's no reason we can't do something similar. The final word this week's with you, Nick. Chelsea. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, they're not a pushover. Uh, be interesting to see how they play the game. I mean, as I said earlier, they might come out and be pretty positive and optimistic, in which case we would expect to put them to the sword. Um, they might play a fairly defensive game and try and be organised and tight and play on the break in which case it might be another slightly uncomfortable afternoon we'd still expect to come away with the points but we wouldn't it wouldn't be guaranteed so you know it's like a bit interesting really in terms of what Pochettino does actually because you know I think we know what we're going to do because we're going to do what we always do uh, I would expect us to play a strong team um, and I would expect us to be really up for the game. Um, it's probably a good thing that it's a 5.30 kickoff rather than a 12.30 kickoff because those 12.30 kickoffs are a bit soporific and everyone's half asleep. Uh, we didn't talk about 
uh, Nunez, but he was definitely half asleep on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I would expect us to play a really strong team against Chelsea and win. Um, hopefully it'd be a good game. Uh, can't quite see them playing as well or doing doing as well as they did against us last time when, you know, we all went on. I certainly uh, uh, talked about how exciting the game was and how, how great it was and you know, even though we didn't win, it was a great game and had a great evening. But, it, you know, that was then. This is now. We just won the points. We do indeed. Thank you very much to my three guests, to Stato, Paul Denby, to A View From A Blue, Stephen Allwise, and from another youthful, Nick Goldstone. This is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.